Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, I pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity. Father, that you would open our spiritual ears to hear you, to hear your small, still voice. Lord God, most importantly, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. God, some of us need heart surgery. Father, we need you to come in and do something in our hearts. Maybe our hearts have been hardened due to woundedness or bitterness or hurts or whatever it may be. Lord, Lord God, some of us need eye surgery because it's always all about I, I, I. God, when you touch our hearts, when you change our hearts, then you begin to change us from the inside out. And our outward reflection is less about us and I and more about you. But Lord, I pray this morning, I pray with expectation, Lord God, that you would reach in and touch the deepest recesses of our hearts, God. And that we would walk away, not just from another service on Sunday morning, but we would walk away changed. God, that we would acquire the fire, your fire and your desires, Lord God. That we would begin to yield our life to you in a greater measure and receive everything that you have for us this morning. So, Father, we pray with expectation that you will do this, and we ask this in the almighty and the all-powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Warrior youth, you guys are dismissed. Go out and live it. All right. Thank you guys for joining us in, in worship this morning. Thank you for choosing to be here at Life Fellowship. We're so glad you're here. Before I get started, I want to do a couple of things. I want to promote the Bible reading schedule. Are they? Are those? Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Hey, listen, we encourage you to read the Bible, to read the Word of God. The Word says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. So it all starts with the Word of God. And so we put together this Bible reading schedule, and we love it if you would pick one up and take a couple home with you. It doesn't matter if you're a little behind. Uh, just jump in, man. I'm telling you, the Word of God says that it will not return void without accomplishing what it was sent to do. And so anytime we're reading the Word, anytime we're getting the Word inside of us, it's doing something. You may not be able to see it. You may not really feel it, but something is happening. You know, do you know you can't always trust your feelings? Your feelings will lie to you. But I tell you what, you can get the Word of God, and so that's why we're so intent on teaching in the Word of God. So please pick a couple of these up and take them with you and read. We're asking you to read Monday through Friday, one chapter a day. Now, who can do that? I think we can do that, all right? And you know what I found, honestly, can I have a TA moment? TA stands for Transparent, Authentic, and Honest. On my day off on Monday, I'll usually read all five chapters because I know that my week is going to get hectic. But you know what? I'm getting it done. I'm reading. I'm getting the Word in me in some in quiet time, and then I study throughout the week. So anyway, please pick one of these up and take it home with you and read. The second thing I wanted to talk about this morning, and Pastor Christine already mentioned it, but a Bible study on Wednesday night from 7 to 7.45. Listen. If you let us know, we'll, we'll get child care for you. Come and drop your kids off in a safe environment. They'll have fun back there. And again, what are we doing? We're giving you the Word of God. 
We're infusing you with the Word of God, and we talked a lot about it. What's our mission statement? You remember what our mission statement is? To develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we maintain that connection with God is through knowledge of the Word and also application of the Word. So we're, we're big on teaching you the Word here. I want to ask you to consider something. How many people, or may, put yourself in this situation, how many times have you made a New Year's resolution that you're going to get in shape, and then maybe for six months you lay on the couch and you drink sodas and you eat chips, and all of a sudden you begin to bulk up and you look like the Hulk? It doesn't happen, does it? Or if you know somebody that's, that's happened to you, let me know, because that, that sounds like a great plan. It doesn't just happen. And the same thing with spiritual growth. We can't just lay on the spiritual sofa and expect to grow. It's going to require something of us. And so spiritual growth and maturity, we've talked about this, is a lifelong process. Have you discovered that? That God is continually working in your life? And so we grow by reading the Word, by getting the Word in us, by spending time in prayer, by coming on Sunday morning and, and Wednesday night, getting teachings, and receiving all that the Lord has for us. It doesn't just happen on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. It happens throughout the week. And so we're encouraging you to build up your spiritual muscles, you know, stay in the Word, stay in prayer. And everything that we do is to drive us to an in, a more intimate relationship with the Lord. And so we're giving you here at Life Fellowship, we don't have a lot of things going on throughout the week, but the things that we have going on are for you so that you will grow in that relationship. I mean, we took, uh, we took these kids to acquire the fire over the weekend. And, you know, the, the whole intent was for them to grow and to shore up what you're teaching them at home. So are you teaching them the word? Are you teaching them about the things of God? You know what? Some of you are probably going to be getting some teaching from them from this weekend because of what they've experienced. And so we're all about providing a spiritual buffet for you guys so you can come and eat and not not just get spiritually fat but get built up and strong and go out and make a difference in the world around us we're continuing in this series blueprints for life and this morning's sermon is location 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 have you ever heard that have you ever gone to buy real estate or what's important in real estate location 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 right when building the first thing you need to decide is where you're going to build and many of you know that Christine and I have sold our house, and we're planning to sell my mom's house and build a house for all three of us. And one of the first things we had to decide is where do we want to live? We, we knew we wanted to stay in this, this community. And so we had to decide where it was we wanted to build because in real estate, it's all about the location. Interestingly enough, in God's kingdom, it's all about location too. Where are you building in God's kingdom? And let's look at building on a solid foundation. If you want to begin to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 10 and 11. And also, we're going to be going to Matthew chapter 7. My first point this morning is Jesus is the rock. Before I talk about Jesus, I want to talk about Paul. And we've talked about Paul a lot. He wrote a large portion of the New Testament. And uh, a lot of the letters, of course, they, they weren't really books. They were letters written to different churches and different peoples. And Paul was very passionate. He was an expertly trained religious leader. 
Paul was really bright, really brilliant. And Paul studied under Gamaliel, one of the very finest religious teachers of the day. And Paul was a Pharisee. And what that meant was that Pharisees were kind of the cream of the crop of the religious leaders. Those guys were, you know, they would dress the part and they were highly respected in the, in the community, the religious community. And when people, when they would walk in, people would honor them because, they're, you know, kind of be like, I guess like if the Pope walked in, you know, people would be going, oh, wow, this, this is somebody really spiritually important, right? And so he was a Pharisee. And uh, when it came to the hierarchy in the Jewish religion, the Pharisees were kind of at the top of that food chain. And he was highly trained, not just in religious law and Old Testament law, but in Jewish customs. And it's believed that the Pharisees memorized multiple books of the Bible. It's, it's strongly believed that they memorized at least the first five books of our Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And I took my Bible, I took one of my Bibles, it's not a study Bible, that doesn't have all the footnotes and maps and all that stuff in there. And it was like 350 pages. Okay, we're not talking 350 scriptures. We're talking five complete books, 350 pages that these guys would memorize as part of their duty and part of their training. And uh, Paul, like many of the Pharisees, saw the Christian movement as a dangerous threat to Judaism. And Paul hated Christians because he thought, you know, these guys have missed it and they're not getting it. And he was on a quest to round up and exterminate all Christians, not just quell the the movement, the Christian movement, but they were actually killing Christians, trying to exterminate them. And the Pharisees rejected Jesus because he didn't follow all of their traditions. And he interacted with sinners. You know, Jesus came and he would hang out with the prostitutes and the tax collectors who were like the the big bad IRS guys that nobody liked, even worse. And uh, he would hang out with all these undesirable people. The Pharisees were all about, you know, religion and dogma and, and all this kind of stuff. Jesus was about a relationship. He was hanging out with people that needed health and healing in their lives. He was about building relationships, not about adding another thousand laws to the Ten Commandments. I mean, they had hundreds of laws that the Pharisees added. They were so steeped in their religion, and they missed it when Christ came. They were, listen, they were very sincere in their religious beliefs. They were very committed to following the letter of the law and making sure they did everything just perfect. And you know, what's, what's different today? Do you know people that are all about religion? They think, oh, I have to jump through all these hoops instead of realizing that it's all about a relationship. And that's what Christ came for, to restore us back into relationship with God, not to build this whole religious culture where we have to jump through all these hoops. The the Pharisees were very sincere in their beliefs, but they were sincerely wrong and recognizing the Messiah. Have you ever been sincere about something and then find out you're sincerely wrong? And the Pharisees missed it. They missed the Messiah. All the Old Testament readings and study that they did pointed to the fact that the Messiah was coming. And when he came, they missed him because he didn't fit the mold that they thought he should fit. 
they were under oppression by the Roman government. And I think, and it's probably reasonable, if I were in their shoes, I'd probably be thinking, oh, the Messiah is coming to deliver us from this oppressive Roman government and set up his kingdom. And I want to be a part of that. But Jesus came for so much more than that. He came to give life. And so the Messiah that they'd been looking for and waiting for showed up and they missed him. How many people today are missing him? But then something happened. Something amazing happened to Paul. He had an encounter with God. He had an encounter with Jesus. And you know, it's an encounter with Christ that changes our life as well. When we encounter him, and that's why I was so excited about these teens going to acquire the fire. The whole focus was encounter God, connect with him. And that's what we're about here at this church, is that we would all connect with God on a greater level. That's God's greatest desire. So after Paul encountered Christ, God used all the religious training that Paul had been given and used Paul to write a huge part of the New Testament. Do you know that God can use you, your background? You say, oh, well, you don't know where I've come from. You don't know the things I've done. Well, you don't know the things I've done either. But you know what? God can use all that. God can take clay, broken vessels and restore them to health and wholeness and then use them in a fantastic way to impact the world around us. And I think it's interesting that God used Paul to reach out to the non-Jews and bring the good news of Christ to them. Because Paul had all this training, Jewish training, but God, God said, you know what, I'm going to use you to go to the non-Jews. So God will take what he has to work with. And I've shared this with you before. I think God is looking for people that are teachable. Are you teachable? Are you humble? Will you obey? Will you do what the Lord asks you to do? And when he finds people like that, man, he will do amazing things through our lives. And when you look at Paul, all the training that he had, I mean, God was setting him up to use him mightily. And God did use him in a mighty way. Let's see what Paul has to say about building a foundation on Jesus, the rock. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. And he writes, Because of God's grace to me, because of God's grace to me, Paul's saying, he recognized, he saw the grace of God. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Paul, to know that you were responsible for killing Christians that were really seeking the true Messiah and you were, had a part to play in that? And so what does Paul say? He says, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. I think Paul had, when Paul encountered God, it changed his life. He's like, oh, man, I've been building the wrong foundation. But because of God's grace, I'm going to build it right this time. I'm going to get the foundation right. Paul understood God's grace to him. I'm sure that he had to deal with the guilt and the shame of knowing that he was responsible for killing innocent people who were seeking the same God that he was now seeking. He understood the importance of building the foundation correctly. Paul had exceptional biblical intellect. Paul's encounter with Jesus took the intellect, took all of that knowledge, all of that stuff, and then allowed 
Paul to experience the heart of God. You know, that's the longest distance to get that stuff, get all that knowledge down into our heart. That's what God wants. He wants us to have it in our heart. You know, it's great to be able to quote scripture and, and all of that, but is it in here? Is it in your heart? Do you have that connection with God? Do you know people that, that can quote scripture left and right and they, they know all the religious stuff, but they don't have a relationship? That's what Paul was missing. He had all the stuff, but he didn't have the heart of God. And it changed. It changed Paul. It went from religion to relationship. Let's look at all of verse 10 here. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. The foundation must be laid correctly. The first house that we we're going to build in this process that, that we've been going through, they messed up the foundation. So we said, we're not taking that house. We're going to, we want a foundation that's built correctly, like the specs say, like the blueprints say they should be built. Are you building your life with the blueprints that God has provided? And so it's vital that you get the foundation correct. But, but what if you just stuck some two-by-fours up there and you put some decking on and, and just slapped a roof on and, and the first little wind that comes through, the whole thing comes crashing down? Well, what about the foundation? Isn't that important? Yes. Well, Paul's saying, but whoever builds on this foundation of Jesus must be very careful because it's about the whole thing going up. The additions to the foundation must be built correctly too. Let's look at verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Paul is emphasizing that the foundation is Jesus. It's not about knowledge. It's not about tradition. It's not about religion. <laughs> it's a heart condition. It's a matter of the heart. I'm not going to read this, but we've read in John chapter 1, that everything was created, was created by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. If you haven't read John chapter 1, go back and read that chapter. Everything was created by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. Jesus is the rock. That's my first point. Let's see what Jesus has to say. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 29. This has been a scripture that, man, it's like, ooh, this really gets my attention. Let's, let's read this. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Who will enter? Those, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Remember last week we talked about one of my favorite scriptures, James 1.22. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. What does it say? It says, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. I hope you're not just listening to God's word today. But I hope you're really understanding. We talked about that word listen. doesn't just mean to hear voices or hear something. It means to actually comprehend and allow that to impact your life. You've heard us say this numerous times, live it. Go out and live it. Listen, guys, that's not just a cute little phrase. Live it should be our expression and demonstration from our heart. That's what live it really means. 
is to go out and express that, express the love of Christ, the things of Christ, to walk in the full life that Christ came to give, to walk in victory, to walk in those things, to allow God to download into us and then express that, but also to demonstrate it. People are looking at our lives. What are they seeing in your life? Oh, they say live it. They say live it all the time. But are they seeing you demonstrate what's coming out of your mouth? Are they seeing you live it? I hope they are. I know they are. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Verse 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. And we cast out demons in your name. And we performed many miracles in your name. Okay, we just read, we just talked about Paul. Before he had an encounter with Jesus, he had more than all the right stuff. He had the intellect. He had the knowledge. He knew all the traditions. He probably wore all the right robes, you know. He probably was looking pretty snazzy like a real professional religious leader. He may have even had one of those fish on the tail of his donkey. Now, I don't know about that. But he had all the right things going on. But what was he missing? He was missing something. His relationship with Jesus. There are people that seem to have it all going on, man. They're looking good. They're smelling good. But they don't have the relationship. Let me ask you some questions, and I don't want you to answer. I just want you to think about this for a minute. How many words of prophecy have you given? How many demons have you cast out? How many miracles have you been a part of where you prayed for someone and, and they got supernaturally healed? Matthew seven twenty two. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. What's going on here? Can signs and wonders be performed by someone who is not connected to God? Hmm. What do you think about that? Remember when we went through the book of Exodus and we talked about Moses? Some of you were here for that. And Pharaoh's magicians were able to duplicate two of God's miracles through magic and sorcery. Uh, I think they, uh, they, turned, they were able to turn the, the water into blood and they were able to conjure up somehow frogs but after that they could not replicate and duplicate the plagues that God brought they couldn't do it and so let me let me be clear there is power there is demonic power hold your finger here and uh, let's go up to verses 15 and 16 in Matthew 7 beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves do you know that there are people out there that come across a sheep. I, I, I'm thinking of a pastor right now that I know in this area. I don't know about now, but I know a few years ago he was living a double life. The guy's a, a really good speaker, but you know what? He's living a lie, and it's impacted hundreds of people. And, and the thing that, that breaks my heart the most is him. I want to see him get saved. I want to see him get healed and delivered, not to mention all the the people that are being deceived by following after this man. There are false prophets out there, guys. There are people that look like they have it going on, and, and they're doing all these things through the power of God. 
but they don't have a connection with him. That's why it's imperative. It is imperative that you know the word of God. Because how are you going to know the truth from the false if you don't know the truth? And we've talked about this in banks and people that handle money. They study the real thing. They take it. They feel it. They smell it. I don't know if they taste it or not, but they look at it. They know that money intimately. They don't look at all the counterfeit stuff. They don't, oh, yeah, this is a fake one. This is a, they look at the real thing. And so it's imperative that you understand the truth, that you look at the truth, that you know the truth. So if a lie comes across your body, oh, no, 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 that doesn't smell like the truth. It doesn't look like the truth. You know what? It doesn't line up with the word of God. It is not the truth. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. Know the Bible. And the biblical principles so that you know the truth. goes on to say in verse 16, you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? We're to be fruit inspectors. We don't have to judge people. The word has already judged. The word has already said, this is right. This is wrong. This is the line you don't cross. We just come into alignment with the Word of God. So we need to be looking at the fruit in our lives. Don't, don't start with everybody else. Start in the mirror. Go look at your own fruit. What fruit do you have? You remember the fruit of the Spirit is love. Do you have love in your life? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are those evident in your life? That's the fruit of the Spirit. Go look in the spiritual mirror. Do an honest evaluation. But when you're following someone, look at the fruit. Look at the fruit in my life. Do you see fruit in my life? I hope you do. Be a fruit inspector. No one is perfect. Listen, no one is perfect. But we should be growing. We should have a connection with God. And it should be evident in our life. Let's skip down to verse 20. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. How do, how do children learn? Example, example, and example. How do people know if you're a true Christian or not? Are you living it? Are you living a life that draws other people to Christ? Where are you building your foundation? Is it on the rock? Is it on Jesus? Or is it on yourself? Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven. You're not getting in because of your grandfather or your mom or your dad. You're getting in on your own merit based on your relationship with him. And Pastor Christine is so intent on teaching our, our youth. She says, listen, I don't want you to know your parents, God. It's not going to do you any good. You need to know the Lord for yourself. You need to have that relationship. And all of us need that. We need that connection with him. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter in. Are you doing his will? Remember what I talked about being teachable? Are you teachable? Are you able to learn and receive? Are you also able to teach others? Are you humble? Are you obedient? What if you knew the word of God and you said, well, I'm just not going to obey? Do you know people like that? Oh, I know I shouldn't have an affair on my wife. I know that's wrong. I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, I know I shouldn't smoke crack. 
It destroys my life, but I'm going to do it anyway. Whatever it is. Listen, it's not enough just to know the Word of God. The next step is obeying and walking it out and living it. On Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 23. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Wow! Huh. How can that be? How could they be moving in that power? And Jesus said, I don't know you. And we've talked about this word no. It doesn't mean just to know, oh yeah, I know Jesus. You know people, oh yeah, I know Jesus. I've heard of Jesus. Well, hallelujah. The demons from hell have heard of Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? This word means do you know him experientially? Do you have a relationship with him? It's not about just reading about Jesus in the book, in the Bible. It's about knowing him. Do you know him? I know Jesus experientially. I have a relationship with him. He knows me. We spend time together. Sometimes he wakes me up by the power of the Holy Spirit at 3 o'clock in the morning. He wants to talk to me. Are you listening to his voice? Do you have a relationship? When my wife calls me, I don't have to say, who is this? I know her. I know her experientially. I know her voice. When I know her looks. Ooh, oh, I don't like that look. Oh, that's a good look. Yeah, I like that look. Do you know the voice of the Holy Spirit? Do you recognize him? Because I think he's speaking to us a lot more than what we realize. I heard Michael Jr., the comedian, say that, uh, you know, a lot of people call the Holy Spirit something. Well, something told me. <laughs> something told me I shouldn't go there. Something told me. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to your life. Because he wants to have a real relationship with you. Jesus is the rock. Build on the rock. Let's read on in Matthew 7, 24, what Jesus had to say. He said, anyone who listens, okay, to my teaching and what? Follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain may come. No, it says, though the rain comes and torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. You know, if we lived on the coast, oh, yeah, we do live on the coast. <laughs> have we ever seen storms come? Have, have you ever seen it raining so hard that it's just raining sideways and the wind's blowing? The trees are all shaking and rocking and rolling. Anyone who listens, okay, but it's not just enough to listen, and follows my teachings are wise, like building our house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on the rock. He goes on to say, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. 
Have you ever been to the beach and you build a little sandcastle and then the wave comes in and just completely obliterates it? I mean, it's just, what does it take? It doesn't take very much. Or have you ever been standing in the water or standing at the edge of the water and uh, a few waves wash in and next thing you know, you're no longer standing on solid ground. <laughs> you know, you're buried under the sand. And so where are you building your house? What are you building on? Are you building on sand that where you just begin to sink as the waves come in and they wash the sand over you? Are you building a sand castle that looks great and then the first little wave that comes knocks it down or knocks part of it down? The jetty in Port Aransas, I don't know if you guys have ever been down there, but they have a couple of jetties and they have these huge blocks of granite. I mean, they're probably like this big and they're huge. And they have these huge blocks of granite and and uh, it's completely uh, or continuously pounded by the waves. You know, those jetties, I did a little research, they're over 100 years old. Now, what if those jetties were just made of sand? How long do you think they would have lasted? Probably the first storm that came through. I mean, I, I know from living on the coast, the water is powerful, man. It will move sand dunes around because it will change the climate and the landscape of that location. But there's these huge blocks of granite, and they don't move. They've been there for hundreds of years. What is your foundation built on? Verse 27, if the rains and floods come. That's not what it says. It says when they come. Listen, guys, the rains and the floods will come. When they come, and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Not just a crash, but it's just going to fall apart. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. One reason that Jesus taught with authority is because, remember Matthew 28, 18? What does he say? All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. And, and then he, he gives instructions to the disciples and to us. Go, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I've taught you and know that I'll be with you till the end of the age. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And what does he say do? He said, go and make disciples. He has all authority. He could have told us to do anything. But he said, go and make disciples of all the nations. And so Jesus taught with authority. Why? Because he had the authority. He, had, he has all authority. Listen, he is the word. He wrote the word. And, you know, I think that it wasn't just because he had the authority. I think it was, it's Jesus' heart that people understand. You know, Jesus didn't want people building on sand where their houses collapsed, where their lives collapsed. Jesus was giving them the truth so that they could build on a solid foundation. He says, listen, if you will listen to my teachings and follow, you will build your house on a solid rock. I don't want you to build it on the sand. Listen, Jesus' greatest desire is to have relationship with you. He doesn't want you to fail. The Word of God is for us to build us up so that we can live a vibrant, healthy, successful life 
spiritual life, but also physical life. Jesus said in Matthew 28, I just quoted, I'll be with you always. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he's here with us always. Do you ever need help at 2 o'clock in the morning? Do you ever need help on 45 driving to work? Do you ever need some help? Who are you calling on? Are you reaching out to God and say, God, help me? I'm really just in a bad mood today, God. I really have a bad perspective. I've got a bad attitude, God. I'm mad at my wife. I'm mad at everybody today. And then I begin to turn on some praise and worship music and just worship him and all that junk melts off. Maybe I've got challenges. They're building this house. They built the foundation wrong. Oh, God, what am I going to do now? Okay, help me to navigate through this. God wants to reach into every area of your life and help you. And he's giving us the tools through his word to live the life that Jesus came to live. John 10.10, what does it say? The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Is he doing that? Do you know people that their lives are being destroyed? But Jesus said, I've come that you may have what? Life. Life in abundance. That's what he came for. It wasn't information. It wasn't just information that Jesus was sharing. What he was sharing was life-giving, life-changing. So my, my two points this morning are Jesus is the rock, build on the rock. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You may be here this morning, and maybe God is speaking to your heart. Maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord. Or maybe you had one at one point in time and you've walked away. If that's you, if God's speaking to your heart, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. Anybody here? So there's no shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this building and not receive the new life, the freshness of life, the fresh start that God is, is giving you the opportunity for right now. Thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you just to repeat this prayer. And, you know, it's not about saying a prayer. It's about giving our heart to Christ. So let's all, let's all just pray this out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. I yield my life to you. I yield every area of my life. And I ask you to come into my heart. Give me a fresh start today. Remove, remove all the old stuff. All the guilt. All the shame. All the woundedness. All the hurts. And fill me with your great love. And Father, I give my life to you. I submit my life to you. And I receive your complete and total forgiveness. Today is a new day. I'm washed clean. This is a fresh start. This is a new day. And I thank you for forgiving me of all my sins and I receive eternal salvation and life with you.
Amen. Yeah. You know, I love Jesus. I love God, you know, because he's come to set us free. Man, he's come to set us free from all the stuff that will keep us bound up in chains. And through this series, we're talking about building the blueprints for life and building a solid foundation and and all of those things. And I want us to do that, but I, I also want us to be mindful of those out there that don't know him. Just love on those people. You know, you can't necessarily take somebody that that's atheist and, and take them to a place of intimacy with God in one step. But what you can do is love them, share the love of Christ, be an example, just encourage them, reach out to them. So this week as you go out, I want you to be thinking about the foundation. What are you building on? What have you built on? You know what? If you've been building on sand, start over. Let's just go to the rock and just build on a solid foundation. You can do that. You can start over. I promise you. God is great at taking our lives and giving us a fresh start. Have you ever needed a fresh start in your life? So as you go out this week, be thinking, be mindful about where are you building and build on the rock. And then also be looking for those that are searching for the place to build. Maybe they've got this whole castle set up on sand and you can begin to talk to them and say, hey, you know, the first wave that comes is going to knock that thing down. Have you ever considered building on the rock and allowing Jesus to touch your life? I love you and I appreciate you so much. God has great plans for your life. And, you know, it's Jesus' heart that we would lock into him and that we would live the full and abundant life that he came to give Listen, don't settle. Do not settle for something less. Do not settle for mediocrity. Receive all that God has for you. Will you do that? You're dismissed. Go out and live it today. If you want prayer, the prayer team will be up here. They'd love to pray with you, okay? Thank you for joining us this morning. You're dismissed.